automotive hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvin with Mr. Prime. Gary, hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 291-6901. That's right, and you put a 225 in front of that. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. And should you happen not to want a live answer to a question or maybe think of something after we go off the air today, you can always go to our website and get your questions answered that way. There's a contact bar on each and every page. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. Just click that contact bar, fill out the little form, and send it in. It couldn't be any easier. There you go. Not in any way I know of. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can think of one way it would be easier, but <laughs> yeah. you're not going to come over there and do it. So. Right. Absolutely not. So just give us a call. I'd be glad to try to get you some advice and point you in the right direction. There you go. Try to help you out any kind of way we can. Like we were saying earlier, right now is the perfect time to call. There you go. I was just thinking about different things that we talk about on the radio show and one thing or another. Uh-huh. But one of those things we have not talked about in a while and that is the harmonic balancer on an engine. Uh-huh. I put a story on the website about that. That's one of those things that there is just very, very, very little information on that. Right. Most people don't even think about them until they have a, a problem with them. Well, and so so often that gets misdiagnosed. I know at the shop we change a fair number of those and fix some problems that people just don't seem to be able to get fixed otherwise. Uh-huh. One guy we had come in, I'll never forget, he had a problem with his power steering. Okay. And what would happen is that when he was driving along... Every once in a while, he would sort of lose power steering, and this was worse in the rain. It right. would rain, and he would lose his power steering. It would get real hard to turn, difficult to turn. And he had changed the power steering pump and, I don't know, the box and some other parts like that. Right. And then someone had changed the serpentine belt and the serpentine belt tensioner, but the problem persisted. And come to find out, he brought it to us, and the harmonic balance of the outer pulley the rubber in it had gone away or deteriorated. Come, un- come unbonded? And it didn't slip all the time, but under certain circumstances, that pulley would slip. And when it slipped, that's what was driving the belt. The accessories, belt. correct. Now, clearly, it would also interfere with his air conditioning, but that's one of those things that because the evaporator core is cold and it only slips for a few seconds, you may not notice. Right, but that power steering, you're going to notice right off the bat. Immediately have that in your hand, so you're going to notice that loss of power steering right away. Uh huh. So that was one of the things, and something you really wouldn't normally relate back to a harmonic balancer. Now, another one that we had came in. gentleman had a vibration in his car at 55 miles an hour. Okay. And he had spent an inordinate amount of money trying to fix this. I know he had put tires on his car. He had, I think, maybe even two sets of tires because right. he, he was convinced it was some kind of a tire wheel vibration. Someone had told him maybe it's U-joints, and I think he had changed the U-joints in the, in the vehicle. And I don't remember what all else, but he had a pretty long list of stuff he had changed, I think mm-hmm. struts and one thing and another maybe some wheel bearings, and just couldn't get this vibration out. Well, come to find out, we, he brought the truck in, and the first thing he did, drove it at 55 miles an hour, and sure enough, there's a vibration in the entire vehicle. Well, the first thing that I did is to shift it out of overdrive into third gear. Okay, which takes it and into I, a different RPM range. Right, all of a sudden, the vibration goes away. So the next thing I do is I get it up to the speed range where it's occurring, and I look at the miles per hour, it's 55. I look at the RPM, it's around 2,500. Mm-hmm. So I bring the vehicle, park it in the shop, bring the RPM to 2,500 without the vehicle moving, and I can feel the same vibration. There you go. So with that 
two very, very, very simple and inexpensive tests. I had just eliminated probably $2,500 of stuff he had spent money on. Sure. But for whatever reason, no one had thought to do that. Mm-hmm. They just start throwing money at it, throwing parts at it, hoping to fix something. So we knew we had a vibration that was related to engine RPM. Well, the next thing we did said there's probably two or three possibilities. One is the torque converter could be off balance or coming apart. So we took the bolt out of the torque converter, moved it back into the transmission. Which, Dis- which disconnected it from the engine. Correct. Cranked the engine up, vibration still there at 2,500 RPM. So now we've eliminated the torque converter and anything that's turning inside the transmission. Right. Which, at this point, we've got about a half an hour into the vehicle. Uh-huh. Next thing we did, looked at the harmonic balancer. It's running perfectly true. Okay. So it's one of those things you wouldn't normally think of. Come to find out, what had happened is that the engine had been overheated at some point, maybe a couple of times. The heat had gotten to the balancer. The rubber, which has to be pliable between the outer ring and the uh, main hub, had gotten hard. It had gotten so hard that it had changed the frequency of the balancer and thrown the engine off balance. Right. So it just happened to manifest at 2,500 RPM. That was a critical RPM for it. Swap the harmonic balancer, vibration gone. How about that? You had half hour in diagnosis. Yeah, half hour, 45 half hour, minutes yeah, right. diagnosis. But the point is he had spent probably $2,500 trying to fix this problem by not following a logical diagnostic procedure. Sure. Sure. And that's sort of kind of one of the things that can happen uh, when you just go in and start trying it. Well, let's try this. Let's try that. And we get that all the time we do. where folks will bring a vehicle in and they can't duplicate the problem. Maybe it's an intermittent problem. And the first thing, well, could it be this? Well, yeah, it could be all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody said this. Or on the Internet, they said it might be this. Well, yeah, it might be all kinds of things. But it might not be. And right. each one of those things you're talking about is three, four, five hundred $500. Do you really want to just start spending that much money? Or do you want to wait until we can duplicate the problem and test and see what it is? And a lot of times when you start throwing parts like that, you're actually taking off good quality parts. Right. And putting on some kind of Chinese junk. Right, a substandard part. Right. And you end up creating another problem that you can never get fixed because you hadn't solved the first one That's yet. That's right. That's right. That happens quite frequently, particularly with running problems and things like that. Folks will go in and say, well, maybe it's this. So they'll go put some kind of part mm-hmm. on it. Well, maybe it's this. Well, now they've created a secondary problem and still got the original problem. Sure. So they both got to be fixed now. There you go. Hey, we're going to take a quick little break and be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. I get you Hi, folks. Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. Our team is celebrating 40 years in business, and we're getting congratulatory calls from all kinds of characters. And I do mean characters. You know, Lewis, me and Scoob will never forget the time that you fixed the alignment on the mystery machine. Forty years is really far out, man. <laughs> Lewis, there's a lot of lily-livered varmints out in the automotive world, but not of you. You're the best north, south, east, and west of the Pecos. Hats off to 40 years, partner. Oh, 40 years is almost higher than I can count. My only complaint is that you don't give away free donuts. <sighs> donuts. Well, it seems like high-quality automotive care in this day and age is still appreciated. I just can't believe all these characters really call. Oh, well, they always say I am quite an animated guy. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just joined us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. 
And today we were talking about harmonic balancers and things like that, but we'll talk about anything you might question about. Just give us a call, 291-6901. That'll get you right straight to us. Another thing, a lot of folks don't really see a harmonic balance on the front of an engine, and it's kind of a, looks like a pretty... Pretty uh, stout piece of... Yeah, just a round piece of metal, and it looks pretty simple, and it is. But what they don't realize in many cases, not only does that balance the engine... But it's also a damper. It's a vibration damper. Sure, because and of the reciprocating parts of the engine. Mm-hmm. When a piston fires, it drives that piston and that rod down, which is connected to that crankshaft. When that crankshaft turns, it actually twists it a little bit. That's right. And that dampener slows the twist down and takes the vibration out. Mm-hmm. And when those two pieces become unbalanced, see, that dampener has a weight. It's not just a round piece of metal. It's actually an offset piece of weight. Mm-hmm manufactured for that type of engine and when it gets off center because the bond breaks between the hub and the outside ring that will definitely give you some kind of vibration you can't get out well that and what happens is that when like you said the piston fires the crankshaft will actually twist so up to about two degrees it's called Mm -hmm. torsional distortion when that big heavy piece of metal twists that much the first thing it does is going to spring back now what happens is that when it twists one way the ring on the outside of the balancer actually moves in the opposite direction. Then when it springs back, it springs back in the opposite direction. So those parts moving counter to each other actually cancel that out. Okay. What happens if they didn't have that is that twisting motion, let's say you've got an eight-cylinder engine. Well, that's happening eight times per revolution. Each time it's twisting and springing back, it all starts to go crazy, and you get to what they call a critical RPM, and you will actually break the crankshaft and the engine. I've seen crankshafts actually broken. I know Mm -hmm. many years ago I worked in a motor rebuilding plant, and we'd get engines in with broken crankshafts in them. And when you look at this big, solid piece of steel, some of them are three inches in diameter, you think, how in the world could this have broke? Right. What kind of force did it take to do this? And what happened is either the balancer was broken or missing or the wrong one on the vehicle, and this continual twisting just caused that crankshaft to actually crack which ruined the engine. Sure. Now, another thing that can happen, there's a little small keyway that indexes that, that balancer, balancer so that you can right. time the engine because the gear that drives the camshafts and all that is also right there on the end of the crankshaft. Now, if you get that balancer off balance or moving or it works its way loose because when it starts to vibrate, the first thing it can do is loosen that big bolt that holds it on. Sure. Now it can start to slip. It can waller the keyway out on the end of the crankshaft, in which case you pretty much bought another crankshaft at that point, which many times is going to be a whole other motor. Sure. Because very often the crankshaft cannot be replaced with the motor in the car, so the motor's got to come out. And well, and then got a lot it, of miles on it. Well, when it comes apart, it usually takes other things with it. I That's mean, right. crankshaft breaks, one of the throws breaks on a crankshaft, and it may pull the piston down, and the crankshaft comes around, and he catches the bottom of the skirt breaks the bottom of the skirt or worse throws, yet it could throw it out the side of the block throws and, a rod or right jumps timing or you, you tear the keyway up then your timing gets off so then the valves are hitting the pistons and by the time it it's not going to come apart at an idle it's usually going to come apart at several thousand rpms that's right and when it does it's just a catastrophic destruction that's right it's just going to tear pretty much everything up in the engine and a lot of folks don't realize they've even got an issue Mm-hmm. Until it literally comes apart, maybe they had a vibration that they could ignore. They had a noise, a squeak. Right. We've had people come in thinking they needed an engine. They said, "Hey, my engine is knocking," and it's actually the pulley on the front of that harmonic balancer is sure. knocking. And 
course, the engine will be knocking if you don't take care of that. Exactly. Another type failure I've seen where the pulley will actually come off, like you said, at RPM mm-hmm. and go through the radiator. Or oh, yeah. It'll tear the water pump. It'll tear the belt. It'll go through the radiator. It'll tear the shroud up. Right. We had a gentleman come in the other day with a Honda, and the balancer had actually, the ring on the outside of the hub had come unbonded, mm-hmm. and it had slid back against the timing cover. Right. And it was squeaking. Squeak, 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 squeak. He spent, I don't remember how much money he spent trying to find that noise. We right. finally found it, looked up in there, and you could see where the, the balancer had moved back on the hub and was rubbing on the timing cover. Yeah. I remember we had a, a Toyota a while back that had a similar problem, and it had actually eaten a hole in the timing cover and right. produced an oil leak. Right. All of a sudden, the guy had a bad oil leak, didn't know where it was coming from, and it was actually a hole in the timing cover where this ring had moved back. Mm-hmm. And this particular one, believe it or not, wasn't really making any noise, but it sure cut through that timing cover. well it was, i think it was an aluminum cover it or, was yeah yeah and that's a, a metal yeah, ferris metal steel ring, ring steel ring so, so a piece of steel is gonna go through a piece of aluminum oh yeah real quick start rubbing them together at three thousand rpm but there's just all all sorts of things like that that can happen mm-hmm. now what happens when you need a new harmonic balancer number one it has to be replaced and right like most things the best place to get a replacement is from the oem supplier sure that one is going to be machined properly it's balanced properly it's put together right it's a good part for the most part but a lot of times more and more these days let's say you've got a vehicle that's 10 15 years old okay that part may no longer be available i know ford is bad about they'll start discontinuing parts after six years yeah GM usually eight to ten years, but let's say you call and a little parts no longer available. Now what? I had a lady who sent me an email not too long ago, and she was looking for a harmonic balance. It was a General Motors car of some sort. The car mm-hmm. was fifteen years old, and the part was no longer produced. And I called the guy that I deal with mm-hmm. and got the part number, and Googled the part number, and there was none. I mean, there was just none out there, and. Really couldn't hardly find a used one. She finally did locate a used one somewhere, which was in good shape, and she was able to handle it that way. But more and more, we're finding where you can't even find a used part. Let's say you've got a 1910 Packard, and you need a harmonic balancer. (laughs) Boy, that's a stretch. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's not too many little sitting in junkyards. Let's say you got one that's not any good. That's right. Let's say the balancers come apart or whatever. Well, there are a few people around the country now who are actually rebuilding or repairing harmonic balancers. I had a fellow that sent me an email, and he's got a business where he goes in, takes the old balancer, cleans it up, machines it, trues it out, Mm -hmm. and he's got a vacuum-type machine that can draw the rubber back into it. So he gets the exact right rubber mix with a high-temperature rubber equivalent to the original, and he can actually reconstruct it, take a dial indicator, true it all up, so that may be another An alternative option, for right. you, particularly if you're restoring an old car where that part's just not available any mm-hmm. other way. Now, another thing, more and more, they're starting to reproduce these balancers. There's right. lots of aftermarket companies that are starting to provide these. And the first thing you'll notice is they're a lot less expensive than the original equipment part. Right. kind of bothers me. But that might be an option for you. Just be careful if the original part is available. This part is far, far too critical and far too important to worry about saving $50, $75. Correct. Let's say, okay, yeah, I can get the original part. It's $250, or I can get this aftermarket for $150. Okay, great. You saved $100. But let's say it's not made right, and it breaks the crankshaft in the engine. There you go. 
Yeah. So now what have you saved? Well, you <laughs> absolutely nothing. Yeah, you have gone way, way, way wrong the other way. So I don't think I would ever recommend using an aftermarket part unless it was just that or nothing. Mm-hmm. And I can't get the original equipment part. It's just not a way to save money, right? In, in my opinion. Most of the ones that I've seen are produced offshore somewhere, and just looking at them, they just don't look like they're built to a very high standard. Maybe there are some good ones out mm-hmm. there. So just be very, very careful. If the original equipment part is available, I would always go back with that. Definitely. And if it's not, then I would look at the aftermarket parts that are available. Check them out very carefully. If you put this part on and now all of a sudden there's a vibration in the engine. Take it off. Yeah, you're going to have to stop and do something <laughs> right. else. Don't let it go. No, this is going to get real, real, real critical. And it can do just an inordinate amount of damage to the engine in less time than you would ever imagine. Sure. And that balancer, not only does it balance the engine, the crankshaft assembly out, mm-hmm. but it also turns the accessory drive belt. That's right. And it also seals the front crankshaft, seals, there's a seal. Oh, some, some engines it does. It actually seals the front of the crankshaft to the timing cover mm-hmm. so the oil can get in the timing chains and everything. Right. So it does serve several purposes for being on there. It does. And some of the ways that balancers fail and there's some of the things that cause them to go bad one of the things we talked about before was an engine overheating mm-hmm. when the engine overheats it can actually cause the rubber to come unbonded get hot bonded or get hard and there's several others we're going to talk about that a little more in the next section okay be right back with more in the automotive hour Hi, it's Louis Altazan from Agco Automotive. It's our 40-year anniversary, and the phone's been ringing off the hook with congrats from far and wide. Good day, and congratulations from Buckingham Palace. Next time you're in London, Louis, you must stop by for tea. I'm restoring an old Aston Martin and have some questions about the timing adjustments. Hope to see you soon. Lewis, it's your nanny. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wanted to call and tell you how proud I am of you. Forty years is nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> ho, 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 Lewis. Fixing cars right the first time for over 40 years. You've been a very good boy. I think I have something special for you this year. Keep up the good work. See, calls from far and wide. I guess 40 years of high-quality work really means a lot to people and keeps me on the nice list. Now I can't wait for Christmas. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Welcome back. He's joining us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Carey. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? It's 291-6901. Be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And right now is a great time to call, too. That's right. We were talking about harmonic balancers on vehicles and some mm-hmm. of the reasons why they fail and such as that. And one of the things, like we just talked about, engine overheating can cause the balancer to fail. Mm-hmm. Because it's designed to run probably around 200 degrees, which is uh, the temperature of the metals and stuff in the motor. When that temperature starts to go up beyond that, it's going to start damaging the rubber and causing other issues. Right. Now, another thing that can cause that type of a problem, particularly on vehicles that do not have auto tensioners on them, like some of your Nissan products. Have a manual adjusted belt? A manually uh, belt. adjusted belt. Okay. And if you put those belts too tight, in other words, if you really crank that belt down like a guitar string, mm-hmm. and let's say you've got a belt that is worn, or you've got a pulley that is not properly aligned, and there is some noise in the motor. 
some belt type noise mm-hmm. so the first thing you may be tempted to do is go in and crank that belt down real nice and tight right well the problem is that belt is pulling against that pulley on the front of that motor against that ring that's that bonded ring. to the hub that's of right the and balancer. if you pull hard enough on it you're going to damage it and put some wear on it sure the next thing that you can have if you've got an oil leak and oil runs down and gets on that rubber for mm-hmm. instance let's say the crankshaft seal is leaking or let's just say the valve cover gasket is leaking, but it's, it's running, running down, down the front. Or the intake gasket or any other oil leak. And you allow this leak to persist, and the rubber gets saturated with oil. That oil is going to deteriorate this rubber. Sure. And when rubber deteriorates, it's going to come apart, and then you're going to have all sorts of just major, major type issues with the vehicle. So those are just a couple of things. Let's take a few of our phone calls. We've got Herb online. Good morning, Herb. Good morning. I got two things. One of them I should have called you last fall on. Raised my wife's hood on her car to check the oil, mm-hmm. and looked like a small eagle had built a nest on it. And it, was, <laughs> it was starting to burn the leaves, and it was packed wow. between the radiator and the manifold. Yes, sir. And it was fixing to have a major mess out there. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of let twirl, I guess, but it's mm-hmm. really late in the year for that. day before yesterday... I got on the brakes pretty hard on my wife's car. I don't drive it too often. And it was a crunching sound. I said, well, brakes just wore out, but they shouldn't be. So yesterday morning, I pulled the left front wheel off where it sounded like it was coming from. Mm-hmm. And it looked at my brakes, and they wasn't hurt. You know, they got right. a lot of life. Yes, sir, I So I said, well, I'll go on and rotate the tires. I don't see nothing. They wasn't, the wheel wasn't loose. Mm-hmm. But then I got noticing the grease, and there's white grease on all four wheels where the aluminum wheel it's that little hub on the yes, rotor, okay. uh-huh. and then it worked its way down between under around the base of the stud that hold the wheel on. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And the left front was had grooves where it looked it had been rocking a little bit. Mm-hmm. What little slack it might have could have found, but is that normal from the greasing things? Not normal. Some people do that. There's actually a compound called Never Seize that would be a better idea than grease on that area. I guess the thought is those hubs can stick. We don't see that down here very much at all. But up north, we have road sauce and stuff that can stick. And you see it a lot with the aluminum wheel versus bolted to a metal hub, metal metal, right, right, similar metal. Right. Much better idea is to put like a never seize type material. It's high, high temperature stuff. Right. It's much thicker, and like Lewis was saying, it's a high temp, and it won't melt away like that white grease does. Yeah, you got to do it. You just want to do it very, very judiciously because if it slings out. What will cause a noise, Herb, is a just, let's say a whole lot of grease gets on your brake. It's not going to make any noise. It's going to slip. It's not going to have brakes. But if just a tiny amount gets in, it kind of slips, grabs, slips, grabs, slips, grabs, and that's what makes that loud grinding noise. Yeah. Well, it didn't seem to have any on the braking area. Well, it may have, you're not it may have it. burned off. You're not going to really see it. It'll absorb into the pad, yeah. but that's most likely what was causing the noise. I degreased it. Mm-hmm. So I use that never sees. It's copper never sees. Yeah, I use that on everything. We call it good. nasty where I used to work at because you could call your wife and have it on your hand and she'd have it on her ear when you hung up. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Yeah, yeah. It's just but, like everything else. Just because something's good doesn't mean more is better. You're right, be very right. judicious. And you don't ever want to put down the lug nuts because the but lug no, nut no. torque is designed for a dry torque. My and daddy it, told me that you don't yeah. want to lug nut to get loose on no well and if, you, if you put any kind of lubricant on you've changed the torque requirement so you're mm-hmm. actually vastly over torque when you tighten it to the, to the right amount because now it's lubricated yeah another thing that never seed will do is is uh, anytime you got to hook up a ground wire mm-hmm. if you put just a trace of that on your screw and your wire spade lug spade nut or what we'll call it it'll make an excellent ground yeah so, anyhow i quit bothering y'all okay then. man <laughs>
But Ford must have put that grease on there because I bought the car new and um, very well could have. Yeah, right. somebody in the dealership could have done it during the prep. But yeah, I'd, I'd clean that all off. And I did. Really, you don't need anything like that no. down here. Up north, a small amount doesn't hurt. But yeah, down here, you're not going to need that. Okay, okay. All right, Herb. It's the oldest harmonic balance deal. It's interesting. Well, so thank I'll you. Let you go. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, man. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine oh one is the number, and we're going to go back to the line with Anthony. Good morning, Anthony. Hey, good morning, sir. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Okay, right on. Yeah, I got a 2001 Honda Civic, and mm-hmm. I got don't deal with the imports much. No, we do quite um, a bit. We do Asian and domestic, just not I'm sorry. Asian and domestic. Um, we just don't do European. Okay, just a quick question. It's every once in a while, it's trying to stall out, but it doesn't. And I clean my idle air control valve. Mm-hmm. I took my throttle body off. I cleaned yes. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Cleaned my MAP sensor. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that will even do anything. with the mass airflow sensor cleaner. Mm-hmm. I even used electrical cleaner on all the little sensors and so forth. And it, it stops stalling out, but it still wants to try to every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll press on that gas, and it, it just, it's trying to stall out, but it's stalled out all the way. And I'm wondering if I should just... Go ahead and change that IAC sensor out. It might be my fuel pump. It might be all kinds of stuff, Anthony. I mean, you could spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on might bees. What well, you need to do is get some kind of a test on to see what's occurring when the stumble occurs. The very first right. thing I'd do is put a fuel pressure gauge on and go drive it and see if the fuel pressure is dropping off when it occurs. Because let's say we've got 57 pounds of fuel pressure while it's occurring and 57 pounds all the time. Well, you forget about a fuel pump. Forget about everything else. You just eliminate it. A couple thousand dollars worth of maybes with one simple test. Right. Same thing with the airflow meter. I can put a scope on it, scan tool, go drive it, see what the airflow meter is reading. If the airflow meter is reading perfectly normal while this occurs, then I can forget about all that. Now, if my right. pattern is going berserk while this is occurring, well, yeah. But if you say, well, let me go do this, let me go do this, let me try it. Man, you're going to run out of money way before you run out of maybes, I can tell you. And it sounds like you've spent a, a good amount of time just trying to get things clean. Yeah, but that's not going to really hurt anything other than lose a little bit of time. But when you start swapping parts, you see, you're getting into a whole other genre. You're talking some real expensive components here. And if you don't go back and buy original equipment Honda, you may be putting worse on there than you're taking off. You go to a port right. store and buy a mass airflow sensor, it may be worse than the one you're taking off with 200,000 miles on it. And the bad part about it is got to turn your old one in for a core, and when you do that, it's gone. It's gone. So now you don't even have the old one to put back on when you find out this new one doesn't work. So, yeah, you're going to need to get some type of instrumentation on it and see what's actually causing what's occurring because, I mean, there's, there's so many things. I mean, it could be a coil getting weak. One coil getting weak, when you tip into it and your power requirements come up it can have a little misfire that's going to feel like a stumble i mean it's just so many things that you know, you can run out of money before you run out of maybes you're just going to have to have some type of instrumentation see what's going on and then you know i mean if you got to pay somebody to do it most shops right. are going to charge somewhere around 90 to 100 dollars an hour they could probably diagnose that in an hour or less i mean you're going to spend four times that putting a mass airflow meter on here and maybe not so even might- touch the problem might be the coil pack. I mean, uh, my might, eyes, might, yeah, it might be anything. Yeah, it might be anything. My, my IAC sensor was gumped up pretty bad. But, yeah, I can fix stuff, but I can't diagnose. But yeah, guys, well, that's why you're going to need to pay somebody to do that. And then if you want to do the repair, that's fine. But right. the only reason in the world to go to the best diagnostic guy you can find is that's the cheapest way to do it, by far. Right, right, I mean, right, he is right, going to yeah. electronically eliminate all these possibilities for you rather than you starting to swap parts out. I mean, I've even seen a bad spark plug cause that kind of thing where it only misfired under a certain situation, under a certain load. Now, why it doesn't misfire all the time, I don't know, but it didn't. You right. know, had a little carbon track on the side of it or it was leaking a little compression around the base and it only showed up at a certain time. 
So you just don't want to go in to start putting stuff on there hoping to fix it. I mean, there's just way, way easier ways to solve that problem. I understand. All right, thank you, guys. Okay, Bye-bye. man. Thanks for calling, man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would absolutely love to have you. Why don't you give us a call? And we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hi, folks. Louis Aldezan here from Agco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and, man, I can't believe all the calls we receive from national dignitaries. Louis, it's the governor. I'm taking time out from my new movie to congratulate you on 40 years. I got to run, but I'll be back. Louis, hey, I'm playing golf with an old friend, and we wanted to call and say that 40 years is quite a run. Louis, that is absolutely splendorific. <laughs> hey, Louis, James here, 40 years, wow. You know, there's nothing more I like than a good homegrown Louisiana success story, except, well, maybe politicking and my tigers. You're up now, you hear? Well, I'm flattered. I guess even in the world of politics, honesty and integrity are still something to value. Okay, well, maybe outside the world of politics. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We certainly appreciate you spending one of your Saturday mornings here with us. We always enjoy having people listen and call and interact with us. And we're going right straight back to our phone lines. John, good morning, John. Hi, it's John in Toronto. Hey, John, hey. how are you doing this morning? Good, how are you, fellas? Doing great. Doing yeah. great. Good. It's the time of year to take my snow tires now off up north here. Okay. And we get a lot of corrosion, and especially with back disc brakes with the slush getting thrown back into, yes. the, into the disc. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering how often... Well, I know you won't do it as much down there, but how often do you think people should service sliders and making sure that everything's not going to corrode and start pushing the discs in the, or the pucks in the wrong way? Yeah, generally on that, John, every brake service, those should be addressed. In other words, every time you go through a set of pads, you should address those sliders. And more often, if there's something indicating that there's a problem, some of the indications are going to be, irregular wear of the brake pads for instance if you inspect your brakes and the outboard pad is worn more than the inboard pad or the inboards worn more than the outboard or the top of the pads worn more than the bottom of the pad any of those types of things would be an indication another is like a bump or rattle noise on when you hit bumps in the road that goes away if you touch the brake pedal that's a clear sign of a problem with your caliper slides another may be brake noise another would be like warped brake rotors and when you see your brake rotors warping and you replace the rotor and it warps again that is definitely an indication of that that is something that should be addressed at that time the first set of rotors that warp when you change those pads and rotors you should go ahead and service those slides right every brake service gets the slides yeah any type uh, of service service, that should always be included and And unfortunately a lot of places don't do that right right they'll just go in and throw a set of pads at it and and call it a day the best time to inspect the brakes is when you're rotating the tires because you're going to do that every eight to ten thousand miles that's right you can have all the tires off look in there and see if the pads are wearing irregular if they are then address it if they're not then just move the caliper around because it'll move around a little bit once the wheel is off the hub the disc will actually move back and forth on the studs a little bit, and you can kind of check the slides that way. Mm-hmm. Just make sure it's moving free. And like I said, you're going to probably have a lot of trouble with that up there, but we actually see quite a bit of that down we do. here. 
what happens down here because of the heat and all the rubber boots deteriorate mm-hmm. and when the boot deteriorates it's just a matter of time before moisture and stuff gets into those slides and once that happens they're gone right no that's good uh, is it, what's is there much involved is it just putting a bit of grease on the sliders and moving them around uh, it could be involved depending on how bad they're stuck sometimes we actually have to replace that component which is the bracket and the slide assembly mm-hmm. because the pins are frozen in there and they just will not come out and once they start to corrode, John, they are anodized to prevent corrosion because you have dissimilar metals. You have a steel pin going into an iron bracket. Once corrosion starts, you can clean the corrosion off, but most likely it's going to come back. Many times it's best to replace the pins when they start to corrode if it's a pin-type sliding system. The biggest thing is little rubber boots have to be installed yes. properly. They've got to be on there, and they can't be broken or cracked or deteriorated because that's what's holding the grease in and keeping the rain and the grit and the grime and all the other stuff out. So rubber boots have to be in place. They have to be sealed up. And that takes a special high-temperature caliper slide grease. Regular grease, uh, like a chassis lube, will not work on that. Okay, that's all good advice. I thank you. All right, Mr. John. Thanks for calling, man. Bye for now. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automobile, we still got plenty of time. Be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. See a lot of brake problems like that. Caliper slides hanging or stuck. Bad calipers, pistons hanging up in them. Certain manufacturers just have more problems, inherent problems than others do on, on that type of because thing. Because of the design. Right. And ironically, where we seem to see that a lot is the fellow has just had his brakes done somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And he says, man, I just had a complete brake job, and now I've got yeah, 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 yeah. And you look at it, and you say, well, I can hate to tell you, you did not have a complete brake job. You had a set of pads thrown on your car. Right, and, and they weren't even good pads. Cheap junk aftermarket pads. They left the shims off. The factory shims are missing. Right. The slides are stuck or frozen. The fluid is filthy dirty because they didn't address didn't. any of that. They didn't clean anything. They didn't lubricate anything. Mm-hmm. And we see it an awful lot in that instance. Because people who get good brake service and have those slides addressed during good brake service rarely have problems with them. They don't even know they're there. And exactly. They, they don't have to know they're there because they're not ever going to really have much trouble with them. Going back to the phone lines with Adam. Good morning, Adam. Hey, good morning. Yes, good morning. Hey, I've got a 2000 Nissan Frontier, mm-hmm. and the transmission is going out. Okay. And it has to warm up before I can actually shift it in the drive. Mm-hmm. It'll shift in the reverse, you know, on a cold start. But this past winter, I'd have to let it warm up for yeah. five, five minutes before generally the shift seals it in on, the drive. Yeah, generally yeah. the seals on a direct drum are going out, and it just slip, and you know, the fluid's going past them instead of applying the clutches. When the fluid gets hot enough, it'll kind of soften that seal up temporarily, and then it'll go ahead and apply. Now, around that time... I'm not sure if it concludes that model, but around that time, Nissan had a lot of radiator trouble. No, that was a later model. Was that the later yeah, models? I've asked like 05. I was, okay. No, no. It's funny. It's funny. I've actually, I've, I've met a couple of guys with the same truck, and I bought the truck a year and a half ago because the line of work got in a year and a half ago. Right. I, I was on the road a lot. I'm not on, I don't drive as much as I did when I first got into the business because I'm not running the roads like a gopher as much anymore. But it's funny, I've actually, I've met a couple other guys with the same truck, make, model year, and they've had the same issues with it around 200,000 miles. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Well, and most, of, most of them guy, are a whole lot less than that. Yeah, and I met this one guy, he found a guy who rebuilt his transmission for about half the price of what the shops in town are 
quoting me. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, would you go with the guy? In- <laughs> no, I absolutely wouldn't. <laughs> That's pretty complicated transmission, right? Man. I mean, he may have got lucky one time, but I'd find somebody who knew what to do. And price that you pay includes a lot more than just what you're buying. What I mean by that is, if you're willing to accept some risk, you can save some money. Now, what risk? Well, is this guy insured? Does he actually have a shop? If something goes wrong and he damages your car, say it falls off the lift and damages it beyond repair, is he insured to cover that? All these things add costs that a legitimate shop has, but you're assuming all these risks yourself whenever you deal with someone who doesn't do these things. Let's say something goes wrong and the transmission blows up completely, goes all pieces. Can you go back to him? Is he going to be there for a warranty? Probably not. So a lot of times you're going to, get a whole lot more by paying a little bit more for what you get but the problem brian's that's the old five to ten uh, model they had actually the radiator would rupture and flood the transmission with water but you may be able to continue to drive it like it is for a while as long as you be reasonable and let it warm up and go like it is the worst thing in the world you can do is when it's slipping sit down and race the motor up or try to make it slip and all that because it's doing a tremendous amount of damage when that's occurring but well, it's already gotten to that point. Yeah, well, there's a new trans. Yeah. yeah, either going to be a remand or you can have to maybe get a used transmission and put in. Of course, on old one, it's going to be hard to find a used transmission. It doesn't have a lot of miles. That was a fairly problematic transmission. Most of them we see at way lower miles and not having trouble. They start having trouble around 130,000 on a lot of them. Well, with the truck being as old as it is, would it be better to cut the losses? Well, just your choice. Yeah, it just depends on how you want to do it. I mean, Rebuilding a transmission properly, you're probably going to spend 3000 bucks. And if the truck's not worth that to you, then just push it far as it'll go or junk it or whatever. You can go in and spend 1500 bucks. It'll last three months and go out again. Well, you just threw 1500 away, and now you got transmissions not rebuildable. So yeah. I don't like throwing money away. I don't like wasting money. And you don't always get what you pay for, but you absolutely never get more than you pay for. I'd probably just either decide not to fix it or I'd fix it right one or the other. I wouldn't go halfway with it because I've seen that so many times where people go in, spend a bunch of money, still have absolutely nothing, could have spent a little more and got something. But, yeah, that would just be a decision you have to make whether the truck's worth fixing. I mean, you can't buy another truck for $3,000. If you like it, it does everything you want to do. And if there's nothing else wrong with it. And nothing else is wrong with it, that's fine. If you don't like it anyway or it's got other problems, well, yeah, it's probably a good time to bail. Yeah, all right. Okay, thanks. All right, man. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. All right, we're just about out of time. I don't think we got time to squeeze one more call in. Squeeze another call, unless you can make it real, I don't real know. quick. <laughs> we'll try. There you go. But we're talking to Adam, and I get that, that question quite a bit. Is mm-hmm. it worth repairing? And it comes to the point of the cost of transportation. Right. Because it costs X number of dollars to move from point A to point B in an automobile. And that is true whether you go buy a new one, whether you buy a, a used one, one, whether you repair the one you got or whatever, nobody rides for free. Correct. There's a cost associated every time you start your car and drive it. We just don't tend to think about it that way. And when we're looking at a big repair, the first thing we have to decide is, do we have the money to do anything else? Mm -hmm. Because if we don't have $15,000 for a used vehicle or $30,000 for a new vehicle, well, it's sort of a moot point. Right. We have to do something else. And if you like the vehicle, let's say it does everything you want to do. Okay. You can say, well, this car's not worth that. Okay, well, it's worth what it's going to cost to get something else to go in. Sure. Because that's what it's going to cost you to get from point A to point B. So you can't go by what somebody else says a vehicle's worth. I get people come in a lot of times with a vehicle. It's maybe a 2,000-model vehicle. It has 150,000, 200,000 miles, and they spend $4,000 on it. Simply because they have $4,000, 
but it don't have 40000 for a new one, and it don't have 15000 for a used, used one, one Correct. that may have some of the same problems. So they would rather spend some money to get this one fixed. In other words, they know this vehicle. They know it doesn't have any other problems. Mm-hmm. They like the vehicle. It does everything they want to do. So to them, 4000 is just the least expensive way they can go to fix what they've got and get on down the road. Sure. Now, the other side of that is when the vehicle doesn't move, let's say the transmission's out or the motor's bad or whatever, it's pretty much worth zero at this point. Exactly. I mean, it has some value. A junkyard might give you a couple hundred dollars couple hundred for, bucks it. for it, but virtually it's worth zero. Let's say you drop $3,000 into a transmission, drive it for three years. You could probably still get 3000 for it. Sure. If it's running and driving good. So... From that perspective, you've driven it pretty much cost-free for the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. Almost anything that will drive down the road, if the air conditioning is working, it runs pretty well, and it's decent to drive, is probably going to bring $3,000. Sure. I mean, I see pickup trucks, you know, 1980 model pickup trucks, nothing special, just an old truck that actually runs, and it'll bring $3,000, $3,500 just because easily people have that much money to spend. They don't have the 40, 50, 60, whatever number for a new one. Used vehicles now, if you start looking around, fifteen dollars to $20,000 for anything decent. And the thing about a used one is you don't know anything about it. Well, you, you don't know what other kind of problems it has. You may be getting the same exact problem you got right exactly. the road. So it's just one of those things you have to give it some thought. You don't want to jump up and make a decision. But then again, I wouldn't shy away from it either. Mm-hmm. Hey, I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And go to your favorite broadcast service and give us a written rating if it's available. That's right. It goes written review and that'll move us up in the rating so more folks can hear us. And we certainly appreciate when you do it. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.